creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hey everybody, welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast and Nesson.com's Mike Cole joined, as always, by Nesson.com's Logan Mullen. Logan, uh, long time no see. It's been a while, Mike. Not uh, really. But. No, it's not. Uh, you and I have already spoken today uh, for a different podcast, uh, very much Bruins related, for uh, Nesson's upcoming presentation of Chara at a thousand, uh, a retrospective uh, amid the ongoing career of Zdeno Chara uh, as he just surpassed the thousand game mark of the Bruins. So uh, that is Sunday night on Nesson, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., encore presentation. Set your DVRs now and check out all of the. Uh, Wonderful content spearheaded by you, Logan. And that's, that's correct. Uh, so, Would not be wonderful if it was not spearheaded by myself. Correct. Correct. That goes without saying. Thank you. Um, we have hockey to talk about, sort of. We do. We have the idea of hockey to talk about. For two months, we've been saying, hey, maybe next week we'll have a little bit more news that's to true. unpack. And at long last, we have news to unpack, and we're doing cartwheels in our respective places of residence. We said that, I think it was last week. We said, well, one of these weeks we're going to have something to talk about. Yeah. And that week is this week. Oh, uh, Gary, doing us a favor. So the NHL became the first major team sport in America to lay out a plan for a return from what the NHL has called all along a pause. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, and stop me if I'm wrong anywhere here, we're going to try to get this thing going in July. Yes. Camp. Training camp. Training camp, correct. Late July, too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Mid to late July. uh, We're looking at, what, anywhere from two to four weeks for a training camp, I would imagine? Yeah, I would say at least three. It'd be nice if we just went with two, but I could understand why uh, it would be more than that. Um, And so what the NHL announced on what day is it? Today is Wednesday. They announced it Tuesday. The NHL announced on Tuesday is that 24 teams, 24 of the league's 31 teams will be advancing to whatever you want to call this next nebulous phase, which may or may not be the playoffs, depending on who you ask. That is going to be a fascinating uh, thing that needs to be figured out because it's going to affect bonuses and things like that. Yeah, that's more um, than just words. Right, yeah. So, But they, the NHL basically said the, the regular season is over. So now we're in purgatory, I guess, uh, where there will be – Eight different series of uh, – I'm trying to find – the best way to explain this. Okay, I should – let me backpedal. The top four teams in each conference uh, are in the playoffs. They're in the dance. They're in the – what we see as traditional playoffs. The yeah. other 16 teams, uh, eight in each conference, will play five-game series uh, depending on their point percentage seeding as it stands when the season was paused. For example – uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins will play a five-game series against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes will play the New York Rangers. The Islanders will play the Panthers. And the Maple Leafs will play Columbus. That is the Eastern Conference seedings. Those teams will each play five-game series against each other. And then uh, we will – so they haven't decided yet, correct me if I'm wrong, whether they will reseed or – They have not. No, right. that's, up, so the, that's up in the air. And they're Yeah, they're trying to determine between – just bracketing it the entire way or if they'll reseed once we get to the actual postseason correct actual postseason quote so the confusing thing about that or i guess this is 
let me hold off on that point because there are some confusing issues of this, and that's why I'm trying to, to stumble my way through this. So the top four seeds, as I mentioned, get into the playoffs. However, they will play hockey before the playoffs actually begin against each other in a round-robin uh, tournament, if you will, to determine seeding. So in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins are the number one seed. They will play against uh, the Lightning, the Lightning, the Flyers, Flyers, and, and the, the Capitals. Capitals. So those teams will play round robin, and then we will reseed. And here's the other thing: those games will be played like they are regular season games, which is confusing as well. So overtime, three on three overtime, and shootouts on the table. Yes, the Boston Bruins, who were declared the President's Trophy winner yesterday, could end up with a four seed in the Eastern Conference by way of a shootout. It is very convoluted when you put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it seems relatively unfair uh, to the Bruins. And we will be discussing most of this from a Bruins standpoint. One thing I do want to say is something that has not been decided yet either is whether the first round of the actual playoffs will be a five or a seven game series, mm-hmm. which, so like the ultimate nuclear option, not uh, a bad way of putting it, but uh, the worst case scenario for the Bruins is somehow stumbling their way through the round robin they end up getting say the penguins the highest team so you have the penguins in the first round uh and you lose in five games that would be uh that would be pretty bad for the bruins and borderline unfair but i think it's important to note and this goes for anything in this entire conversation that somebody was going to get screwed somebody was going to get the short end of the stick i think it's pretty much inarguable that the Bruins got screwed more than anyone's here. Although that's a very relative term. Yeah. I'm And that's as it relates to the Eastern conference, I would say St. Louis blues also are in a tough spot. So when I first saw the plan that they had laid out specifically for the Bruins, it is tough not to look at it and say they got screwed. I know Jack Edwards went on EEI and said that they got screwed and that's a, very general consensus to a degree i understand that at the same time if you're the bruins or any team in order to win the stanley cup you should be the best team in the league right so it should not impact them either way who they play where they're seated or i mean who they play or where they're seated that's all that matters i understand that they basically have negated any prop progress that the Bruins made right, in the regular right. season. Uh, it, it takes a lot of the incentive out of it, but like that's all retrospective, right? Like it's this isn't a system that they're going to use going forward. So it, it just depends on, I don't know, how, how much you want to gripe about it. I think that what they should have done is if your record for the play-in tournament for the top four teams, that is the round-robin tournament, is going to determine where you're seated, that's where I have a tough time hopping on board. I think what should happen is that play those games like they're regular season games and add it to the point totals. Because then the Bruins already have their number one seed locked in. They they had eight points, I think it was, on – the on Tampa they had it was like 10 or 11 on the other two teams who both had a game in hand but even if the Bruins lost every game and any team went undefeated in the round robin tournament they wouldn't catch them 
I think that would have best maintained the integrity of the system. Uh, and again, I get that like if you're the Bruins or any other team, you should have the confidence and willingness and ability to go and win all three of your round robin games. And there you go. At the same time, I understand how this kind of tinkers with the integrity of the whole process, especially when it seems like on paper, there is at least a way to get this done with legitimacy where you're getting teams to play games in a meaningful competitive format. And I understand where the league's coming from, that they want the round robin games to be competitive and not just, you know, while for all intents and purposes, they are tune up games. They don't want them to be played as such. I think what they did in order to really get guys up for those games is do it at the expense of, you know, the integrity, legitimacy, however you want to put it, of the system, for the lack of a better term. Yeah, that that all makes sense. And I guess they made a decision at some point, and, you know, the Bruins signed off on this. They were not one of the two teams to vote against it. Um that I forget what my point was going to be. Um, no, this, yeah, this is the lesser of two evils because at least that's what the, the league probably feels in terms of either, you know, you can, we can go right into it. Uh, you know, you can be the one seed, but we have to do these play in games. So you're not going to play meaningful hockey and you're going to be, you know, so I guess you'd rather go in relatively sharp on the same playing field that everybody else is than sit around and wait. And I, but I'm with you. I like your idea or just, exhibition games or whatever you want to call them like that I think makes more sense um from a you know for if you want to give the advantage to the Bruins and I suppose you know at the end of the day too it's like with a lot of you know making much ado about the fact that you know it's just seating you know for the most part right you know it's not like there's home ice advantage and even if there was home ice advantage the Bruins more so than anybody else can tell you that doesn't mean a lot uh when you're losing game seven of the Stanley Cup final at home that's cool. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that they just yeah, – that's the thing. I, there's so many moving parts here. There are so many uh, parties involved where you can't – somebody's going to be unhappy. And I yeah. guess it's – from a fairness standpoint, it's easier to piss off the Bruins here than it would be to, you know, piss off one of the teams on the bubble where, you know, Columbus or Florida or the Rangers. Um, you know, you can make an argument that getting, like, Montreal and Chicago involved is kind of uh, excessive, but you know it'll be nice to see those logos and those sweaters in the playoffs. So that's something. Sure, and if um, they re- if they reseed or the Bruins get the fourth seed, you know we get a Bruins Canadians first round. Right, and I think it's I think it's a you know it's it's okay to say they did the best they could, and the Bruins are still getting the short end of the stick here. That's kind of where I fall when this thing you know to, to encapsulate yeah. the entire thing. There's nuance in the situation. Like, you know, multiple things can be true here. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was going to be an imperfect situation no matter what. Um, and and it, it's if we hockey, like, then it's all – who cares? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but I, I do genuinely think, too, that the Bruins think they can beat anybody. Uh, well, they like, should. They should, right. I don't think they're too – I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into this too much, right? It was the Lightning and the Hurricanes that were the two teams that didn't like this format. You're the Lightning. I, I get what Alex Kalorn talked about. Uh, it was an integrity thing and whatever. And there's 
plenty of fairness in that. I, I take plenty of stock in what he says. But it's just, it's a weird look when everyone else is like, yeah, fine, whatever. Like, well, it's imperfect. This is okay. Um, in that story, I kind of just, I admittedly breezed through it. Did Kalorn offer an alternative? Or the avoiding? I, for, I forget if he did. You know what I mean, though? So it's like, all right, you can be mad at it, but what's, what is, it, you know, what's the best option here? And they may have gotten there. You know, yeah. it is, I, I admittedly say somebody who's, banging the drum saying the Bruins got screwed. I don't have a whole lot better ideas. I think I'm, if I had to go with one, it would I'd go with what you mentioned and maybe limit the field a little bit. But um, yeah. yeah, so Kalorn's gripe was largely with the round-robin tournament thing. Yeah, um, well, yeah. His, his direct quote was, and he says they, referring to his team, but they didn't feel it was fair that certain teams that probably wouldn't have made the playoffs would have a chance to make the playoffs in a best-of-five series. They also felt it was unfair that the teams with a bye would not be as well prepared for a playoff series as the teams that had already basically played a playoff series to get into the playoffs. So that that had to have been before they knew that, like, the round-robin tournament was going to mean something. Yeah. Because the, the agreement that they made was just about the 2014 framework. I think oh, once okay. they agreed to that, that's when the NHL kind of hammered a few more things out. Um, well, that that came together fast then. Yeah, but I, I mean, it a team like the Lightning benefits from that. You know, the, yeah, the Lightning I mean, could end up getting Toronto or Columbus instead of uh, who would have they? They would have gotten the winner of the Islanders, Panthers. Like that, those yeah. are teams they could lose against. If the Lightning run the table, they almost certainly get the worst remaining team left. Like. And, you know, they – and that's the thing, too, is everybody controls their own destiny here. So, I guess that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'd like to take a victory lap here. I have no basis behind this. But I've been beating the New York Rangers drum for so long that the fact that the Hurricanes long have known they were going to be matched up against New York and they were the other team that voted no, I mean – the Rangers are going to be a buzzsaw. Like, play off Artemi Panarin and throw him Mika Zibanejad. And they have such great goaltending. Like, the Rangers are going to be a playoff dark horse this year. They're young, too. Like, they, they are made for this situation. Well, and the thing is, too, is they're young at all the right positions. And right. Like, you would think a guy like Lundqvist probably benefits from this. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, they also have Jordan – Gorgiev. I, I don't oh, even I know if they would have Lundqvist play. I, I that seems insane to not start Lundqvist. I mean, not to get this you would is think a <laughs> podcast, but yeah. But I think that's and this is something too. I mean, we can kind of just bat around uh, a few talking points here. I think it, you know, a layoff maybe hurts the Bruins in some regards. But I kind of mentioned this last week. Like Rask, better with rest. Uh, I think the more experienced – I think the younger teams might benefit from this in terms of finding their legs quicker, but I think the older, more veteran goalies benefit from this, if sure. that makes any sense, because I think they are – it's impossible to prepare for this because nobody knows what this is going to be like. Nobody's been through a situation even resembling this before. Um, but I do think if you look at a guy like Tuka Rask, who has started game sevens at every level, uh, who has got – you know, put go close to probably a hundred career playoff games or whatever it is. 
like he at least is battle tested and you feel pretty yeah. good going into it with a, with a guy like that. So, um, Oh, uh, one thing we should probably mention, this is kind of weird. Uh, the NHL making this, you know, rushing to the end zone here, making this declaration, uh, basically declaring itself back, uh, or at least yeah. laying out a plan to be back, uh, without real, really any mention other than a cursory, we're going to do as much as we can to make sure it's as safe as possible. <laughs> like we aren't any, like, I don't know if we're anywhere any closer to actual having hockey back. That's the big thing. Like there's still a pandemic going on outside. Like I, I like to think that Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the NHL are not so clueless that they would make this announcement without a high level of confidence that they can come back. I, and my other theory too is that if this thing goes up in smoke and they can't have the season because improper testing, there's another surge, whatever the case may be, from a pure optics standpoint, they could turn around and say, well, at least we tried. We had a framework in place. And, and then my other theory is that, you know, it shuts up people like me who have said this entire time, I think they're completely content to just follow the NBA's lead. Yeah. Um, so I think – that said, though, my strong belief is that they would not go through all of this and make a public announcement and for Gary Bettman to be more, you know, front-facing now than he ever has in an entire run as commissioner if there was not a very strong sense of confidence that they can pull this off. The counterpoint to that, though, is that there's no harm in putting out neat little graphics that say what the format's going to be and do all of this hypothetical stuff only to run into, you know, a roadblock down the road and be like, well, we tried to your point and, mm -hmm. Oh, what do you know? We, well, we can still get an 82 game season in next year. Like, I think that's the, they have that in their back pocket. And we, you and I talked about this earlier, just off the air before our other podcasts, like there's going to be a weird like, they can do that up to a certain point, but they might completely screw themselves over if this thing blows up at the worst possible time. Yeah. And, sure, that's going to be the case for everybody. But, like, I mean, they're not starting the 21 – the 20 – 21 season until probably New Year's Day at yeah. this rate. So – that's probably not going to be an 82 game season. I mean, they're going to try like hell to get 82 games in and maybe they go until July next year. Yeah. And they get rid of the all-star break and all that stuff. I still think like a 70 game season is probably the best, uh, you know, something in there that um, in that range is probably the best uh, solution or uh, the biggest, uh, what, you know, the, it's, it's the best way to, to recoup most of your, your losses and still hand out right. the Stanley Cup this year without really going balls to the wall for an 82-game schedule next year. Well, and I think part of what they might be thinking, too, is if you're not getting people back into arenas until there's a vaccine, then you're right. probably yeah. better off pushing. Like, you know this season is going to be played without fans. You know the start of next season, if it were to start on time in October, all but certainly still is not being played with fans, why not push it to the new year and say, you know what, we, our chances are better of getting people into buildings than if we waited for in, in, 
instead of if we start on time in October or, you know, around Thanksgiving or anything like that. Yeah, but they do run into the most trouble, though, if they try to to get this thing going and they put it off as long as possible, almost to the point where it hurts them for next year. Mm -hmm. And then they can only come back next year and do 60 games without awarding a Stanley cup this year. That would be horrible, especially if 40 of those 60 games, even 10 of those 60 games are played without fans. Like, but I guess if that's the case, you're pretty much in the same boat as everybody else in every other sport. So I guess there is some relatively relativity to all of this. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Let's see. What else is there to kick around here? What about the? Uh, do you read into anything with the uh, the host sites at all? Not really. It just feels um, like they're kind of waiting on Canada. If we're being honest. Yeah, I I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, now the the Canada mandatory quarantine uh, st- or I'm sorry, the travel period between the U.S. and Canada that they have the borders closed. That only runs until I think it's June 21st or something like that. Which it's, is cr- like this whole thing, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but it's crazy. Like, I remember when Toronto said, I forget, like, it was in, must have been in March. Like, nothing is happening in the city until June. It's like, well, there goes hockey. It's like, we're not even right. No, actually, it doesn't, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I, I really don't, I think they're trying to leave their Canadian options open because I think they have to like some of the options that they have. I highly doubt it would be Toronto, but this entire time we've heard Edmonton being Edmonton around seems as, perfect. It does. Edmonton, and that's, it, oh. yeah, it's been kicked around as one of those ideas for a while. So they might just be waiting it out. And if we're not even going to see training camp start again until at the very earliest July, if they get some sort of idea that they are able to, you know, make something happen in Canada, they'll be able to do it. They'll be able to make some sort of judgment call on that prior, you know, prior to July 1st. Yeah. It's Bill Daly was on TSN and he was asked about that. And he said, uh, the goal is to have uh, Toronto, geez, uh, Freudian slip. The goal is to have Canada involved come hell or high water. Uh, but at a certain point, it's out of their control. I think they're going to start lobbying if they haven't already uh, to get the government to kind of relax on the travel ban or, you know, basically consider hockey players essential uh, personnel. Um, so, you know, I, he's also playing to the base there. You know, he goes on right. TSN saying, you know, we want hockey in Canada. Uh, I heard – or not heard. Um, I was on, like, my the, with the SB Nation radio – and Matt Peral, one of the hosts there, uh, he was saying that he's he lives in Vegas, and he's basically he's heard from multiple people that you know the Western Conference Finals will be held in Vegas, and the Stanley Cup Final will be held in Vegas. So uh, that kind of adds any more intrigue to the idea of them kind of dragging their feet with host cities. That yeah. being said, like I don't know, it still kind of feels like something could change in the drop of a hat if you know if there's an outbreak somewhere all of a sudden that eliminates Chicago or some, something out of the running. So I think yeah. that's probably why, although Daly did say they were going to hope to make the decision in the next two weeks. So Yeah, I, I do wonder if they feel like they have to have an East Coast and a West Coast city represented. Because, you know, a lot of people mention Columbus being a good spot, and yeah. I can understand why. 
But, like, okay, if Vegas is one of them and Edmonton, to continue on that trend, is also considered such a good option, would you put, you know, the Eastern Conference in Edmonton? That would be sick. So, I, I don't I, know. Like, Edmonton seems such a good – I mean, the ice is, is pretty solid in Edmonton. Uh, has I think Edmonton – it's either Edmonton or Calgary. I'm pretty sure it's Edmonton has the reputation of having a really good sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas has made it clear that they can handle it too. You know, having a Stanley Cup final there just a couple of years ago in the yeah. middle of June in the desert, that's a pretty strong uh, case study for your ability to have playable ice. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that makes sense for those two cities. It'd be weird to have – but I guess if they're all going to be night games, it's not a big deal. Um, it would be weird to have two Western Conference cities. But I don't think – I just wonder what kind of politics are involved with this whole thing, if there even is. I don't – who knows? But, yeah. it's, you know, the evolution of it's interesting too because, like, two months ago there was a story out there that the NHL asked all 31 teams for available August home dates. Uh, also two months ago, Manchester, New Hampshire was being floated around. Right. So, like, this thing can change fairly quickly, I think. Yeah. So even if there's a front runner of those, what, eight to ten cities, things could change pretty quick which is why i imagine they've kind of dragged their feet here i don't know yeah i don't think it really matters either like does it no i don't think it does either i think if they have told these team or these cities like please keep x dates open they will like what else is going on which is not terribly difficult right now yeah so there's nothing else going on that would keep them from being able to do that so yeah um what other thoughts do you have? What do you want to get into? I'm sure. Well, you... one, so, you know, we always do our optimism scale, which yeah. we so far have not done this week. But I, when I saw the Batman, I think it was, say that they weren't going to do training camp until July 1 at the earliest, I texted you and said I m- might be coming down to your level in terms of optimism. Maybe this is the eternal optimist in me, um, but I've kind of come around on that a little bit because I've so one thing that everybody's talked about we've talked about on this podcast is the fact that guys haven't been able to skate if players are able to start skating their facilities starting the beginning of June or early June you know it's still not going to be perfect but they're going to have three or four weeks between the absolute earliest of train the earliest start of training camp to get into better skating shape Whereas if they were starting training camps in mid-June, for example, with no prior training sessions at all, a lot of that time would have to be spent ramping up the skating workouts. I think what they seem to understand is that if you give guys time to get into better skating shape and then they can have a training camp and all told, you know, say they get four weeks of, what is this, phase two? And then they go to a three-week training camp. I mean, that's seven weeks for guys to get ready individually and as teams. The quality of hockey is going to be way better, most likely. Guys will be a little bit more equipped to go hit the ground running. So I think that while I initially balked at the idea of, you know, they're not even going to start training camp until the beginning of July. I mean, say July 1, they do start training camp and you're playing games august one so you give them a month i mean you still get the postseason finished right around the end of september like they can do that you have free agency in mid-october and then there you go with the new year's day idea 
So, you know, when I stop to think about it a little bit, looking at it through the lens of the NHL, thinking that they are plenty comfortable at this point pushing off the start of next season, then I can understand why they're totally content to just keep kind of kicking the can down the road with regards to training camp. Um, I think you've misrepresented my, my text a little bit. I, I actually have – I think I have more optimism about this happening. I just don't know if I like it. And that's a weird realization to come to where I've spent the last two months being like – I I'm willing to put – you know, I, I was willing to make appalling sacrifices in order to get <laughs> sports back. Um, and not that my life is better without sports or anything like that. This is not some sort of weird – come to Jesus moment that I'm having here. Uh, but it's just, it's going to be very weird to have the Stanley cup playoffs going on in August, just in general for starters, but also five months after the season stopped and you're going to do it to, and you're going to probably spite in spite of next season as well. It's just at a certain point, this gets a little hard to kind of conceptualize and you're doing this all to give out a, a, a Stanley Cup in an empty arena. It's just a very that's a that's a me problem though. Like I'm gonna have to get right, you know, okay with that. I, I don't wanna corner this take too much, but I really do think a lot of it has to deal with their vision on how likely it is that they'll be able to get fans into arenas at the absolute soonest. Yeah. Because Say you get 60 or 70 games in by waiting until New Year's Day, but the vast majority of those games you get people in the building. I, I still don't know how likely that is. That's probably better than just saying screw it to this season and then starting next season by playing, you know, 30 games without fans where you're losing money again because there's nobody in the building. And so I think they look at it and say, well, if we're not going to be able to get people into arenas for the foreseeable future, the games we might as well have should be postseason games, not only from an intrigue factor, but from a money factor, because the lion's share of the revenue that teams get from broadcasts or the league gets from broadcasts is from playoff games. Like regular season game broadcasts are means to an end. So I think if they're looking at it from a pure dollars and cents standpoint, it's more economically prudent for them to try and play out the postseason when they can and delay the start of next season so that they can get people into buildings. And they still might not be able to. January 1 still might not be soon enough to jam 17 or far enough down the road to jam 17,000 people into one building. But your likelihood of that is a lot better than October 4th or whatever opening night would be. So, you know, I think – there are multiple ways that they could spin it, but if you read between the lines a little bit, it I, personally, I feel like I can see a lot of the economic benefit to them that would inspire them to approach it the way that they are. That's a good point. Yeah. I, no, I, I did minor in economics in college. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, it's at Springfield College, so I mean. That's true. Roll pride. Uh, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense from a turn, you know, yeah, because you're getting that, that playoff TV money and you're potentially getting the gate. Uh, just here in the real world, though, I I don't think 
three months in the midst of a global pandemic is really that much time, uh, at least to ramp up from, we can't have anybody in the building and we need to test three times a week for anybody who does enter the building to, yeah, we're back to having 17,000 and lines out into the hall for the urinals and uh, beer lines that go 20 deep. So that would be a pretty big jump, but I think, you know, maybe even getting half of a building in, who knows? And there's, these are debates that need to be settled quickly, but they're also going to be just settled down the road uh, as they continue to figure this out. Um, uh, I'm, I don't have anything else really on this. Do you? I think that covers most of it. What, uh, all right. The, the moment that we've all been waiting for, what is your confidence level on a scale of one to 10 with one being no chance and 10 being there is certainly going to be hockey again. Uh, in the 2019-2020 season? I, I think I'm staying in at like a six. A six, yeah. I, I really don't think they would have announced this without having a strong inkling that they'll be able to do this. I'm up to a three from like a one and a half or a two. Maybe even a four. Uh, because, yes, this – I think you have a, a strong point about they wouldn't have gone this far if they didn't think they could do it. Uh that being said, we still don't have any basis for this working uh, in a team sport, a physical team sport uh, in America uh, with the restrictions that uh, we may have as a, as a country when it comes to all of this. So, um, you know, it certainly it looks a lot better than it did a week ago when we last spoke. Uh, but I still think there are bigger forces still at hand here that might get in the way of this happening, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. We're one big outbreak away from scaring everybody back into saying there's no chance we're going to do this. So, yeah. uh, and you know, I, there's nothing that the NHL said and there's nothing that they could have said that gets me off of that point of view in right. the short term. Uh, maybe six weeks from now, I completely changed my mind. And again, in six weeks, we'll probably be in a much different spot in terms of testing and things like that. So, you know, God willing, we'll be in a better spot to, to kind of see this through. Uh, I still just see it for what it is, which is just some names of teams on a piece of paper. Uh, and until I start to hear more about uh, how they're going to actually make this happen from a, a real everyday health standpoint, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic than you are. So. Yeah. True. All right. One, one final thing, part yep. of thought. We'll probably dive into this more. What team, east, west, wherever, do you think it's best benefited by the system that they came up with uh tampa i think i really do because like they could you know i think they're just as capable of getting that one seed and the thing is too if they win that uh if they win that round robin thing they're you know they go into that playoff series with momentum and have it gives them a chance to kind of remove the doubt from last year without really having anything at stake yeah. like the worst that could happen to them is they go from two to four and that thing the best thing that could happen is they run the table they beat everybody's brains in and they go into this with all the momentum in the world and they're also uh you know a young youthful team with a lot of talent so maybe that's a cop-out answer you probably have a better one you're gonna say the rangers i was probably gonna say the rangers <laughs> um shocking I, I mean, I kind of touched on that. I, I can think of a couple. I, I'll stop from saying the Florida Panthers, but the Florida Panthers, I mean, you look at what Sergey Bobrovsky did for a good chunk of last season with Columbus. If they get that version of him again, 
you know, you get through the Islanders and then because of the way things are seated, they would get what the third team from the round robin tournament. I think so. Um, so or maybe it would be the second. I, I don't know. It's all so damn confusing. Um, but I, and I mean, look at teams with goalies that can get hot, right? Just, Winnipeg, Winnipeg I, with Connor yeah. Hellebuck, like they, they get Calgary. Um, I was going to say even Arizona. Like, Arizona, right. They have had very solid goaltending all season. Um, and Vegas, that's a team too that went from outside the field in and could get hot too. Right. And you know, Vegas too, right. They added Robin Leonard. So they've got Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, now it's funny because the uh, Blackhawks look like a couple of goofballs now because they were obvious sellers at the deadline and got rid of Leonard and somebody they most certainly could have used now, especially because yeah. who are they going to get in the first round? They'll get Edmonton. So it would have been nice to have a, you know, a Robin Leonard that was playing well against McDavid and Dreisaitl and all those guys as opposed to uh, Corey Crawford. I'm going to disagree with your assessment of them looking like goofballs considering they did the <laughs> they smart con thing. their way into the postseason. Yeah, they did the smart thing of selling at the deadline only to have a global pandemic completely disrupt the entire season. Yeah, the Canadians did the same thing. That sure. I, I understand people who are frustrated with that, but it's just two very obvious sellers at the trade deadline who did not get hot in a couple weeks after that getting completely bailed out by it. It would be hilarious if the Canadians won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I'm actually rooting for it now. So almost. Not I, really, I'm I'm no. rooting I'm rooting for chaos. Let's let's get weird. Let's get yeah, my like, uh, let's get my Panthers Stars Stanley Cup final prediction to even <laughs> even if there's chaos, you can still bang on the drum for years to come. Just be like, well, that doesn't actually count. So yeah, true. But if everything plays out perfectly and normal, then it's like, well, great job, NHL. So. Eternal goalpost movement. Yep, exactly. So, all right. Uh, I have nothing else. That was, uh, it's, it's, who knows? There's still a lot that needs to be figured out between now and then, but at least there's a path. Uh, oh, and I, I did, um, uh, Brian Burke had this uh, quote. Uh, I heard him, I don't know where he was, with, who he was talking to, but uh, they played on Felger Mass this afternoon. He said, complaining about this is like complaining about a beautiful woman with ugly shoes. And it's, it's good. We have at least have a uh, – there's a path to having hockey back, so that's that's something we can all feel good about. True. True. All right, Logan. Um, again, if you made it this long, uh, check out uh, Char at 1000 Sunday night, uh, May 31st, 7 p.m. Eastern on Nesson. Uh, you and I will be back to kind of chat about that. Well, we have our own podcast coming out later this week to preview that's that. That's true. Back-to-back um, days of Nesson Bruins podcast release. Can't wait. Uh, we will also, I think, reconvene and touch on that next week as well as uh, go over any sort of developments that may uh, occur between now and then. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will uh, catch you again next week.